Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's try this again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, we are seen, we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, those that are in Hebrews chapter 11. But I also believe it does refer to those that have gone on before us. Those, uh, um, they don't care about what you had for breakfast. They don't care about what car you're driving. They don't care what house you're living in. But I do believe people that have gone before us can see our spiritual race and when we're doing something for God. He said, because of that, let us lay aside every weight. Uh, A weight is something that slows you down. A weight is not necessarily sin. That's too bright. A weight is not necessarily a, a sin. He talks about sin, but a weight is something that slows you down. A weight for you may not be a weight for someone else. So you can't compare. Um, you can't compare, but you can. Uh, the Holy Ghost will tell you what you need to get rid of in your life. Can I get an amen? That's not a big prayer. You ask him, and I bet you he'll tell you right now. And you know the weights. And then it says, and the sin that does so easily beset us. And the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience. Let us run with patience the race. So what's it talking about? It's talking about what you were called to do in your mother's womb before you did anything right or wrong. It's talking about you standing, you and I standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ and receiving crowns for, the, for what we did here on the earth. Every person who is born again is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and every one of us want to hear what? Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? And everyone is going to stand before the Lord one day. So it's never too early to think about it. Never too early. Never too early. Moms and dads, uh, in the natural, they prepare their children for, you know, maybe a career, and that's fine, but we don't want to tell our children, you be whatever you want to be, baby. No, you want to tell them, we're going to be what, you're going to find out what God wants you to do. Amen? Amen. Because that's where their highest is. That's where their graces are. They have a place in God. And it's not just ministers. Because if that was the case, then it would say, hey, ministers, listen up. You've got a, a, a destiny. You've got a race to run. Y'all, the rest of you just kind of endure until it's time to go to heaven. But that's not what it's saying at all. Everybody can get a crown. Everybody can lay it at Jesus' feet. The, the only way you get it is by running your race, by, by finding your destiny and doing it. And don't wait until the end of life. Now, if you're at the end of life and you haven't done it, you can start today. I'd rather be found doing what I'm supposed to be doing today than regretting I never obeyed God. I'll tell you this all the time. I'm going to tell you one more time. As a pastor, we're very blessed um, people wouldn't think this is a blessing, but it's, we've been very blessed over the years to get to help walk people home in their final hours, final days. And I've talked to a few people now that have been doing this for 30 years. I never had anyone say to me, Pastor Mark, I wished I'd have got a bigger truck. I wished I'd have had that 8,000 square foot home. Nothing wrong with either one of those, but I've never had anyone say that to me. I wish I'd have worked harder and got, a bigger, and got a better promotion. I've never had anyone say that. They always say this, I wish I'd have done more for God, and I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. Almost exclusively. You know what? Can we change that? Come on, I'm talking to my Wednesday night crew. Those that are not afraid of the rain. I'm talking to you. Can we change that? How about when we go, we go with no regrets? Is that possible? Yeah, but pastor, you don't know. It doesn't matter about this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. So forget about it. Just forget about it and start today. I'm going to live the rest of my life, whether I'm 12, because I know some 12-year-olds are going to listen to this. Maybe. Or I'm 80, I'm going to live with no regrets. It's never too early to talk about it. It's never too late to talk about it. How are we going to finish our race, though? That's where we're at in the point of this teaching. 
How are we going to finish it? Because if the devil tries all of your life, all of my life, to get us off course. He may not be able to keep you out of heaven because you're born again and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If he can't keep you out of heaven, the next best thing to him is because he's not going to be in heaven anymore where he used to be, he don't want you laying any crowns at Jesus' feet. And he knows that if you obey God while you're on the earth, you're probably going to affect somebody else. You're going to get somebody else in the kingdom of, because see, when we obey, we're just, it's just going to happen. We're going to get people born again. We're going to get people back in church. We're going to help them find their place. You know, everybody's grateful for Billy Graham, but what about the Sunday school teacher that got him born again and taught him in the beginning of his life? She don't get, I don't know her name, but she's going to get some credit. Amen. Whoever. Whoever. I mean, um, everybody's important. And so the devil is going to, I don't understand this. He's going to try to get you off course. And so sometimes the off course, you know, what's that old saying? Everything that glitters ain't gold. Sometimes good opportunities are not God opportunities. They're just opportunities to get you off course. You don't make decisions. Now, see, if you're new around here and you, you're starting to hear about, oh, this is one of those money churches. No, this is one of those God churches who understands that God wants you blessed. But we don't make decisions based on cash. That's being money-minded. And that will get you in big heaping load of trouble, making decisions based on money. Well, I, I'm going to take that job. It's double. Did you pray about it? Did you ask the Lord how it's going to affect your family? Did you ask the Lord what it's going to do if you uproot everybody and move them? Or do you just not care because you're going to get double, 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 and you're going to be able to buy some more gold chains? Well, you already got one. You don't need any more. Well, that's not true. Two or three are good. Hallelujah. But I'm saying everything you do, you need to make sure the Lord's in it. He is the Lord, right? And everything we do, a lot. I just want you to get thinking about this again because I, I feel like we've been on uh, away a little bit, and I want you to think about this again. Everything you do every day is about the race, the destiny, the plan. Ephesians two ten says He prearranged a good life for you. Aren't you grateful? It's a good life, not a bad life, not a horrible life, not a troubled life, but God prearranged a good life. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That means if I find out the order that he has for me and I walk in them, I'm going to walk in the good life. Now, he didn't promise you if you do that, you're never going to have a problem the longest day you live. But if you're in the middle of the will of God, it sure is easier to deal with the devil because that means you're submitted. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 talks about if you're submitted to God and then you resist the devil and then he goes. So if I'm walking out the plan for my life, if I'm on course, when the devil shows up with his ugliness and all his bad stuff, I know that I can resist him in Jesus' name and I'm going to win the victory every time because I'm submitted to God. I'm doing the plan of God for my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12.1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. So let's deal with it. It's right there, big, bold, three letters. S-I-N. And I know in the modern church, nobody wants to talk about sin because that drives people away. It does drive people away from God. It is a problem because it always leads to death. Um... It's not, they're not issues. We didn't just miss it. They're sins. Oh, Pastor Mark, if you start dealing with sins, you know, I just want you to know that I'm under grace. I know you are. God bless you. Uh, you are. And you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And old things have passed away. And I'm, you're washed in the blood. But the whole stuff that works around this is you and I still got a flesh that has lust, and the devil knows it. 
And you can't change the way the Bible is set up. When you got born again, your flesh didn't, and it still wants to sin. Okay, mine still wants to sin. Yours is perfect. My mind don't always think right unless I make it. Amen. The devil has an avenue. Remember, what are we talking about? Lay aside the weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And then it says, let us run with patience. Got to have some patience. The race. So what is this all about? It's about the destiny. It's about the course. It's about the race. So the devil's going to throw things at you and me that's going to try to get you off course. To get you out of the race. To get you to give up. Guilt, condemnation are one of the biggest things that I watch people in that when something happens, they're sidelined a lot of times for a long time. Now, you know by going to church here, we do not advocate living in sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. This is all about righteousness and walking in it. And he said, if you will confess your sin. First John, remember, chapter 1, verse 9, and going into chapter 2, verse 1. He is faithful and he's just if you'll do what? Confess. Now, I know a lot of people today don't like that word, uh, repent. And they say, well, see, he didn't say repent. Okay, he said confess, but all throughout other places he said repent. Uh, if you don't want to use them interchangeably, that's fine for you. But you're never going to get anywhere unless you really repent. Because repentance means to change. Now, understanding that, it's interesting that the devil would love you no longer to confess or repent. Because your sin, if, you ha- if, 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 if we do sin, we have an advocate. And I love that the blood of Jesus will continue. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you of what? All unrighteousness. This is about your righteous position. All unrighteousness, right? And then the other thing you and I got to do, because we don't have to live in sin. Are you grateful? How many? Well, I, I just want to pray for my sin of commission and permission and permission and demission and decommissions and uh, no, you don't have to worry about that anymore. If you'll walk in the light, are you with me? Because I know some of you were taught, yeah, but there's those kin- sins of oh, I never heard of it before until people start talking about because uh, I didn't, you know. Anyway, sins of omission. You got to pray for your sins of omission. You got to pray for your sins of commission. I, I don't know. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. What you got to pray is, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Yeah, but what if I don't know it's a sin? If you walk in the light. If you walk in the light. Just walk in the light. Just walk in the light. What is the light? The word, Jesus said, my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. What is the light? It's a revelation of the word. Walk in your revelation. Walk in your revelation. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, Then the blood of Jesus, I love this, I love this, will continually cleanse you. Don't be sin conscious. See, when I start teaching this, people don't be sin conscious. No, don't be sin conscious. You're not a worm. You're not a sinner. You're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But to ignore what sin does, to to me, that can get fatal. (laughs) Because um, the devil would like for you to ignore that. But you got to be careful, and I understand that. Don't get the sinner mentality. You're, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Again, not in my notes. I am just, I, you know, but you're not a sinner, right? Are you, are you righteous? Then that's your position. And from that righteous position, what's, what's the deal? Stay there. Walk in the light. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. You stay in your righteous position. If you get out of your righteous position, confess. The blood of Jesus does what? Cleanses, puts you back in. So, well, 1 John is not written to believers. It's written to unbelievers. 
people have been trying to do that for years upon years. I was listening to Brother Hagin. It's one of them old squeaky ones, you know, like a 60, 50, 60 one. And he was talking about, first John, he's like, here it is again. I mean, this is like 70 years ago. He's like, people once again trying to say that that's not written to believers. And he proved, and I don't have time because it's not my message, that it was written to believers. The devil don't got nothing new. Just a rewash. All right? What are we talking about? Why did I bring that up? Lord, why did we bring that up? Um, we brought that up because he brought that up because we're talking about sin. So you need to go out and understand it. There's no, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are forgiven. But you've got to understand why does the devil mess with your flesh? And where for a born again especially a spirit-filled believer like you and I who love Jesus, where, why, why does this come? comes to get us off course. It comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil would love to derail you because if he derails you, he derails others. Um, and so uh, we're not going to put our head in the sand over this. We're going to look at it, and we're going to grow up with it, and we're going to walk free from whatever the devil tries. You with me? Hallelujah. So let's look at this. Let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. What are we talking about? We're going to lay aside every weight and sin. We're talking about sin because it besets us and it keeps us from finishing our course. And it will keep us from hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. And so what, what about sin? It says, blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he is tried. So uh, everybody say, I'm blessed because you've endured some temptation before, right? For when he is tried, everybody say, I'm blessed. He shall receive, oh, there it is, the crown of life. It's everywhere. How do you get the crown of life? You get it at the judgment seat of Christ. What's this talking about? It's talking about you running your race. Talk about you finishing your course. It's everywhere. If you look for it. Blessed is the man that endured temptation for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised them that love him. Y'all love the Lord? That's you. Let no man say, and this is where we usually start, but what is this? The focus is, I want you to finish your course. James, by the Holy Ghost, I want you to finish your course. I want, Mark, I want you to finish your course. Lord, I want to finish my course. Mark, I want you to finish your course. Whatever your name is, he wants you to finish your course. What do we got to be aware of? The things that are, that are going to try to stop us from our course. Let no man say when he's tempted. So what's going to try to stop you from your course? A temptation. And let him not say, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. God would not try to get you off course. He's trying to get you on course. So this sin, this temptation is coming to get you off course. Neither tempteth he any man. But when, uh-oh, but here we go. But every man when he's tempted. Now, you all know this, but let's just look at it in, in the, 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 the view of finishing my course. But, uh, but when every man is tempted, when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. So when, when temptation comes, what's the devil aiming at? Because we know it's the devil. We know it's the devil. What, what, what's he aiming at? He's aiming it at your lust, which are in your flesh, because he wants to entice you. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. The great news is that you and I, uh, I say it this way in my book, No Longer Shackled. I think I said it this way unless it got edited. It takes two to tango. And two to tango means um, if you're going to produce something, you got to get together. Talking about a man and a woman, conception. It takes the two. Uh, it, it can only take the two. Um, if you do it, you know, biologically, naturally, it takes the two. And so that's what God is saying. Uh, it won't... If you'll do your part, there's never going to be a conception. Because the devil, no matter what he does, as long as you do your part, conception will never happen. No, that's better news than you're acting like right now. It'll never happen. 
And you don't want it to ever happen because when there's conception, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Now, you and I have been delivered from death that Jesus has the keys of death and of hell. We've been, we've been delivered from eternal death. And he, he has made an opportunity for us to be delivered from any kind of death except for physical death. Because the last enemy to be put underfoot is physical death. And that one hasn't been put underfoot yet until Jesus comes back. But he's made a way where even death that the devil's trying to, what does the devil do? Steal, kill, and kill is what? Death. And destruction is a death of something. Right? God has made a way that it don't have to happen. You should be a little more excited about it. It don't have to happen. I know what you're thinking, but it's hard. Well, that's why we're going to talk about it. To ignore it causes problems. And this is about hearing well done. This is about putting a crown at Jesus' feet. And, um, yeah, uh, there's some things that are tough about this, but... You know, number one, you understand, temptation's coming. You can't stop that. You can't stop it. Why? Because there's a devil. And temptation is coming. Well, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You can go ahead and try. But temptation is coming. But when it comes... What happens? I'm ready. And there are some things, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. You can remove yourself from some areas of being tempted in. If you know you have some things in your flesh, like my flesh loves a whole coconut cream pie. Why would I share that glorious thing with anyone else? It's mine. I think I can and have put away a whole pie. It's not right. It's not good. So uh, it's minor. Uh, there's really nothing minor about indulging your flesh. Right? There's nothing minor about gluttony. There's nothing minor about indulging your flesh. Because if you do it in one area... You'll end up doing it in a lot of areas. Hallelujah. That was a temptation. And what should I do? I don't think there's anything wrong with one or two. <laughs> I've been eating a certain way, and we went up to uh, see Rhonda's brother. I'm going to tell him myself. I'm going to tell. You know, that's how I preach. I tell stuff. Um, there's no secrets. Hallelujah, unfortunately. Well, there are some. Anyway, but um, so we went up to this Amish restaurant in uh, upper Indiana. Yeah, it was. And um, I, been eat, I eat low carb, and I don't eat sugar, and, you know, I just don't. And that's been working for me, and it helps me, and I like it. And I'm, you know, not, you know, extreme, but every once in a while for a good cause, a birthday, a vacation, an Amish restaurant. Because all there was there were carbs. I'm going off. And so since I'm going off, um, my brother Don, brother-in-law Don, her brother was paying. And I warned him. I was like, I'm, I'm going off. I ordered four different pieces of pie. Because I will never be back there ever again. I had to try each and every one, and I didn't eat it all, but I had some of every pie. <laughs> My point is, I'm not talking about living a life that is rigid, but we do have to, when temptations come, you got to control your flesh in every area. You just do. And get used to telling your body, no. Telling your flesh, no. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss. Amen. 
Hallelujah. It helps when the big stuff comes. But there you can. So the devil's coming to tempt you. Now, if you know he tempts you in a certain area, then you should remove yourself from that temptation. I could really get into meddling right now. Um, but, you know, um, back in the day when uh, magazines were a thing for guys, you know, there was a particular gas station that had a rack of magazines that were not good for a man to see. And so I had guys come to me and say, I have this problem. And I'm like, they were buying things. And I was like, well, where do you go get that? And there's a particular gas station. And I said, well, go to the other one. Why would you walk in there knowing it's there, fight a battle you don't have to fight? There's all kinds of things you can do. Um, there's child protections on phones and praise the Lord. All kinds of stuff. But that's not the only kind. There's just all kinds of stuff that we need to do. Y'all good? Hallelujah. The temptation is coming. I don't know that you can stop it because the devil is here. You don't have to put yourself in situations, but he's always going to tempt. What is he going to tempt? He's going to tempt the lust of your flesh because he's going to try to. The devil's coming. The temptation's coming. You have lust in your flesh that if you don't deal with, which we're going to talk about, oh, man, in so many different ways. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, because when you get done, you will rejoice. You will rejoice. Because nobody talks about this anymore. But you're, 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 the, you're the seeds in the core of my apple. You can handle it, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Because I want a crown of life. Do you want a crown of life? Hallelujah. Um, I like first, we looked, I don't know if we looked at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The New Living Translation. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So everybody experiences temptation. Because one of the things the devil will try to tell you is you're the only one going through this or ever gone through this. Nobody's dealt with it quite like you. But that's not true. Everybody deals. Because everybody, there's a devil. And God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. Say it one more time. God is faithful. Knowing that God is faithful got Sarah her miracle. He will not allow you, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, this is where people take a partial verse and they get this saying, God will never give you more than you can bear. That is not what the scripture teaches. Because, A, God is not given anything. God is not given it. I, God is not tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. God does not cause car wrecks. God does not cause tornadoes. I know they call them acts of God, but they are the acts of the God of this world. They're not the God that we serve. Amen? Well, why did God allow that? Well, he's not allowing bad things. There's the devil. The devil and him are not on the same team. And stay in the new covenant on that side of things until you understand the new covenant. Then you can go back and look at the old covenant and some stuff. But you stay in the new covenant first. And Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. And so no destruction has to come our way. And it, why are we talking about this? Well, because you got to get this straight. If you believe God is allowing bad things to happen to you and yours, it's hard to believe in him. Trust him. He's good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. God is always good. The devil is always bad. If it came to you and it's good, it came from God. If the devil's, if it's bad, it came from the devil. He will not allow, and God is faithful. I'll say it again, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So I stop there and I will tell you this. If you're being tempted with something, that means you can get rid of it. It wouldn't be there if you couldn't deal with it. If you couldn't overcome it, it wouldn't be there. The fact that it's there means you have the victory over it. 
means you have enough revelation. It means you have enough understanding of the, the word. You can get over this. You can get over this. You can get through this. You can overcome this. Hallelujah. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's look at this in the Amplified Classic. I don't have that in my notes, but could you pull up the Amplified Classic? It's classic. Sorry. A-M-P-C. For no temptation, no trial regarding the enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance. And I even like that better. Because it just says, if it's there, you can resist it. Nothing. Well, I can't deal with this. No, that's, that's a lie. This is too big for me. Well, it's not too big for God, and you're in him. And you've got a name that's above every name, and you can resist him. That is no temptation or trial come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted to and belonging to human experience and such as a man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted. Not he can be trusted. I said, he can be trusted, not let you be tempted and tried and assayed, and there's more, beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to adore. Come on, you have the ability and the strength because you've got the grace of God, to, and you can resist and you have power to endure, but with the temptation. So anytime a temptation comes, everybody say every time. Every time a temptation comes, what, what does that mean? He will always. He will always, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. I said there's always a way out. And he provides the way out, the means of escape. I have an escape theology. I am, I'm going to escape whatever the devil's doing. A means of escape to a safe landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. Everybody say, there's always a way out. What is the way out? Resist. What is the way out? Speak the word. What is the way out? Uh, um, whenever the temptation comes, you know it did, that, that God has he's given, my grace is sufficient for you. And there's always a way out. Hallelujah. So we know those things. Um, um, let's do this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. It says, and every man that strive for the mastery is temperate in all things. How many know that temperance is a fruit of the Spirit? Uh, that They do it to obtain a, here it is again, corruptible crown, but we do it for an incorruptible. So that means if I'm going to get here well done, good and faithful servant, get my crown, I'm going to have to live a life of temperance. So verse 26, I therefore so run. What's this talking about? Your race. Not uncertainly, so fight. It's a fight. Not as one that beats the air. But here we go. Woo! I keep my body under. I keep it under. And I bring it into subjection. That's not light and casual. That's not light and casual. I keep my body under and bring it into session. This is a big one. Lest by, and this, this is right smack in my face and anybody who preaches. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That means it's possible for even anyone who preaches the word of God to become a castaway. And you ought not look at them like they're so this or that um, because uh, they, they live a life just like you do. And um, if they don't keep it right, they could become a castaway. So what we all got to do? Not just the preacher. What are we all going to do? We've got to keep our body under. Woo, somebody shout, crucify it. <laughs> Yay. Let's look at some of that. Hallelujah. So we're going to bring it away. I don't want to be a castaway. I want to have, someone to, I want to have something to lay at Jesus' feet. So I've got to run my race. 
What's one of the biggest things? Wait, but sin that does so easily beset us to try to do what? What is the devil trying to do? He's trying to knock you out of the race. And when he does that, a lot of times people stay out of the race because of guilt. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not advocating that. I'm, I'm saying if you, if you sin, then, then confess and then get back in the race. Get back in your place. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There are no perfect people running this race. Just a, a, a perfect Jesus who lives on the inside of us, and he's helping each and every one of us get to the finish line. God wants you to finish. God needs you to finish. Oh, he's looking forward. Come on, y'all, listen to me. Jesus is looking forward to telling you, oh, you did it. Well done. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, it's hard. Um, no. He already did the hard stuff. He won the victory. The fight for you is to stay in faith. The fight for you and I is to get this revelation. Um, you know, we all go through things. Everybody goes through stuff. But then there's some things you do. Are, are you, ready? you ready for some good stuff? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> You're going to be glad you came. Let's look, look at some of it. Romans 6.12. Romans 6.12. Now, y'all reading my daily breads, right? I'm breaking all this stuff down and giving you some more. Um, I know sometimes when you read it day to day, but I'm trying to build on. I'm trying to put in uh, and, and really make this secure in you. And really not just for you. How many people do you know who are believers, who are really struggling right now, who are dealing with temptations and yielding? And not to say that we all haven't yielded, but we know the truth that if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But how many people don't understand and are living in guilt and condemnation and um, won't do what God has called them to do? I think it's all right. Can I share a little bit about your dad? Um, her dad, um, just he was a preacher. He was a pastor. But he got off into sin and backslid for many years, Pastor Rhonda. Uh, help pray him home, and but I had conversations with him even, and even in his later life, uh, he just always felt guilty, unworthy, almost afraid to go meet Jesus, and and then Rhonda's, he lived on what twenty thirty percent of his heart forever, because uh, she prayed and believed God, but he was, uh, she helped him as well as she helped her mom, you know, realize that there's not, you know, nothing to be afraid of. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. He remembers your sin no more. Amen? But I watched that with my own eyes. I watched somebody be hindered their whole life because of guilt. That's sin consciousness, and that's not what we're talking about. We're not. So don't be thinking here that we're going to become sin conscious because we're not. But we have to deal with it. And if we see how to overcome and live life of victory, we don't have to get to the place where many people are where they feel guilty all the time, where they feel condemned all the time, and where the devil holds them from doing what God has called them to do. He did some great things. Uh, he, he was called to pastor. He ended up doing a prison ministry in Florida. Um, they said it was one of the better ones they've ever had, you know, back in the day. Um, but he never really fully ever got back. Could have. And, you know, the truth of the matter is um, some people would never forgive him. In other words, he may not have been able to go back to some of the cities that he used to live in and preach. But the Lord could have used him other places and other things. And, you know, none of us need to be there. But this is the deal. We don't ever have to get to the place of failure. We don't have to get to the place of that. Uh, even if you're heavily being tempted, even if you feel like, I can't do this anymore, that's a lie. I'm talking to somebody. It's a lie. If you're being tempted, his grace is sufficient for you. Come on, y'all. We have never dealt with what Paul dealt with. And I don't think we know everything that Paul dealt with. 
I don't think we knew it. We have what we have, but I think there was a whole lot of emotional more stuff and things in there that he dealt with. But remember his great revelation. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. Amen? And so what are we going to do? Let's, let's look at some of these. That's been up for a while. Let not sin reign. Romans 6.12. Let not sin reign. Let's look at that. Reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. So your, your flesh, whether you like it or not. And this, see, I don't think everybody understands this. Um, everybody's flesh is not the same. And just because you deal with something doesn't mean everybody deals with it. And just because you don't deal with it, don't be like, get over it. That's not a big deal. Put that under control. Just stop it. Well, if you've never dealt with it, you're not an authority. You don't know. Different things for different people are harder. And everybody has, everybody has a flesh, but everybody has different things they deal with. The lust of someone's flesh may be stronger in this area than somebody else that doesn't have a problem with that. Don't be judgy. Praise the Lord. Don't be judgy. Be encouraging. Be helpful. Be a, strong, be a strength. Be a friend. Amen? Not judgy. But be a friend. If someone is um, making excuses, tell them that's nothing but an excuse. Stop it. I get both sides. Hallelujah. I don't know if they're as happy as they were, but they're still here. Let not sin, therefore, reign. What is that? That's a kingdom word. What does a king do? Reigns. What's lust trying to do? Reign. Why? Because it used to. It had a place in your life, and it was a throne, and it got to do whatever it wanted to do, whenever it wanted to do it, how much ever it wanted to do. And you and I didn't know, for the most part, there may be some more moral people that before you got born again, depending on your, where you grew up, culture, stuff like that, can filter in, but as a whole... Sinners have a fallen nature, and they sin, and they're quite good at it. They're quite good at it because it's their nature. That's why if you're trying to conform someone who's a sinner, you, you can't. Um, because even as us as a believer, we're told not to let sin reign. That means it's going to try. Because your flesh didn't get born again. Are you all with me? Everybody's got lust in their flesh. Well, I'm just praying they'll go away. Eh, don't know if that's the right prayer. Because you have them. And in some ways, that's trying to ignore it or get God to do something with what he's telling you to do. So whatever the lust of the flesh is, if you've got a temptation, you can get rid of it. Or it wouldn't be there, no matter what it is. If it's a sin, the temptation to sin, you have the ability, the grace, the power, the name, the word, the ability to get rid of it and deal with it. So what is the lust of your flesh trying to do? It's trying to reign. It's trying to get back into the kingdom position in your life. And what do you got to do? Let not sin reign. Let not sin reign. I'm not going to obey it. Did you know the lust of your flesh can be pretty bossy? Some of you understand the intenseness of which I'm talking. In that area, it's intense. It's bossy. It's ongoing. It's, it can get frustrating. But what do you got to do? You got to understand it's trying, you know, you're, just, you're not the boss of me anymore. That's not who I am anymore. I'm not going to allow that. You're not sitting on the throne of my life. I'm a born again believer and I have grace to resist you. And what? I'm not going to obey that. I feel it. I might even want to do it, but I'm not going to obey that. I'm going to let God reign. 
I, I, I'm going I'm to reign. Hallelujah. It's, you just got to know the fight is a real fight, and it's not this. Um, it is the devil because he brings the temptation to, your, to tempt your lust. But if you understand that if I don't, if I don't conceive... That even though the lust is there, and if I learn how to deal with the lust of my flesh, and understand i got to deal with the lust of my flesh, then I'm going to walk in victory. And if I'm going to walk in victory, then I'm going to stay on my course. If I'm going to stay on my course, then I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. When I, when I hear that, I'm going to get a crown. When I get my crown, I'm going to lay it at Jesus' feet. It's all about that. And that's why it more than matters a little bit. It matters a whole bunch. Because you got to understand the seriousness. I understand now more than ever the seriousness uh, which the devil's trying to do to derail people from the course of their life. Because it affects so many people. Hallelujah. Can you handle one more? Sure you can. It's the next verse. Romans 6.13. Don't yield your members. Neither yield your members. As instruments of, there's that word again, unrighteousness unto sin. So sin is unrighteous, but yield yourselves unto God and those that, as those that are alive from the dead. Do I got any alive people in the room? Amen. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So what are your members? Your hands, your feet. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about your body, your flesh. So how do you combat this? Um, it's really simple. I yield my life to you. I, I, I use my hands to serve God. I serve one another. It might be burping a baby in the nursery. So what does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with it. I'm tapping into grace. I'm serving. I'm giving my hands to him. I'm giving my feet to him. It's not just, you know, yeah, we're going to get to it. Romans 12.1, I offer my body a living sacrifice. But even how you do that, I offer my hands, I offer my eyes, I offer my ears, I offer my feet. Right? Lord, this is how you should pray on this one. Lord, how do you want me to yield my members, my hands, my eyes, my ears, my feet, my body? How do you want me to yield that to you? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for me? Not my spouse, not my, not, not my friend, not it. I wish everybody else would really serve. Not that. Lord, what do you want me to do? And so I'm not, so when you yield your members constantly to God, then it's easier than to not yield them to unrighteousness. Amen? It's easier because uh, this is just part of it. The, the, the devil wants these back. The, your body, the lust of your body wants things back. It used to be in control of. How dare you take that out of my kingdom? And then what are we doing now? We're saved. We're sanctified. We've been made holy. You just need to shut up, put that lust under. These hands worship the Lord. These hands serve people. These hands greet people as they come in the doors. These hands park cars. These hands uh, uh, make peanut butter and jelly to go feed the homeless. This mouth doesn't cuss anymore. This mouth tells people about Jesus. These eyes don't look at that anymore. These eyes look at the word. All kinds of stuff like that. You can make it very practical. Sometimes when we look at this, we're like, ooh, that's, that's, that's deep. Members of instruments. It's just talking about your hands. It's just talking about your body. Sometimes the King James does that to us. Ooh, that's deep. It's just lift your hands, use them. For God. Amen. Are you, aren't you grateful you're alive from the dead? Now, now some of this, um, 
it's, it's good to talk about it in here, but how do you put that into practice in your own house with you? That's, just, that's something you and the Holy Ghost are going to have to do. What does it look like for me? Could depend on the level. If you've never done this, he's going to start out simple with you. But if you've been doing this a while like I have, it may, he may say, let's, let's, let's crank this up a little bit. Or if you're having trouble with something, you're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, maybe that, you know, I think sometimes people think, well, it just needs to all go away. I get that. I understand what you're saying. Um, and it's not just controlling it. It's not just, I've got control over that. I've got control over my eating. I've got control over my lying. I only do it once or twice a week now. Um, I've got control over my uh, gambling. You know, I do it only when the jackpot is $10 million. I, I've got control over. I've got control over. I've got control over. Well, it's not, it's not that, because that's, that, that's not, God doesn't want you to have control over. He wants you to be victorious over. Amen? What is this all about? Why are we talking about this? Well, because the Bible talks about it. Because uh, the Lord told me to talk about it. And because it brings victory. See, you're, we're not weaponless. We are armored we are dressed for this. We, we, we um, you know, we, we have the word. We have the name. We have revelation. And the more revelation and insight and light that you have, the more victory you'll walk in. And then it's not just for you. You know, a lot of times, whatever you and I have dealt with, the Lord will use to help people in the same mess. And what would make a person happier? Than to help people with stuff that you used to deal with, you can just pull them out of the darkness, help them get free and stay free in just whatever area it is. And, you know, I know you and I rank things. And I used to say, you know, all sin is the same. And it's really not true. Um, sexual sins are sins against your body, against your temple. So there is a little difference there. But um, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Anything that's a lust of your flesh that doesn't please the Lord, that's a sin, um, we can get rid of it. How do we get rid of it? Well, we're just not going to conceive with it anymore. We're going to learn that that doesn't reign in my body anymore. And, and one of the ways I do that is by yielding my members to righteousness and as I yield them to righteousness, then there's no room for unrighteousness. It's kind of like the fruit. Remember we talked about the fruit? Develop the nine fruit of the Spirit, and that fruit pushes out the, um, the works of the flesh. It's not about stopping something. It's more about starting something. If I walk in the Spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of my flesh. If I'll grow the fruit, it'll push out the lust of my flesh. If I understand that if I won't conceive <laughs> with the lust of my flesh, I'll walk in victory. If I understand that there's always a way out, I'm going to finish my course. We're going to finish our course. 